0: Welcome to Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno. You'll want to grab your Bible and follow along verse by verse with Pastor John. We continue in the book of Genesis, chapter 33, starting at verse 1. Face your past. You cannot run away Anymore, We are forced by God to face our fears, our problems, and sometimes our family, right? Face the past head on with God's help, power, and presence, just like Jacob did. This is the story of Jacob. Jacob will face his archenemy, his nemesis, his twin brother, Esau. And if you remember the story, Jacob was fighting his brother even from the womb. They were two twins fighting inside of their mother, seeing who will come out first. They're actually baby fetuses wrestling one another. And Jacob comes out second, holding the heel of Esau. Later, Jacob cheats his brother out of his birthright right over the porridge, the red stew. Later, he steals from him. He becomes an imposter and pretends to be his brother to steal the firstborn blessing from daddy. And then Jacob is forced to run away from home, run away from Esau and his death threats. It has been a rivalry. It has been a mess. Have you been there? Maybe family, friends, coworkers, a boss, and you've had a rivalry, a battle, uh, an old pain or a grudge or revenge, and you don't want to face this person, right? You just want to run away from them. But sometimes God forces us to face old enemies, old relationships, right? You've got to go to that wedding. You've got to go to the funeral. They're going to be there. Oh, my gosh, they're there in the church. You bump into them at the market, right? And God has his way of making us face our past. Jacob has just faced Jesus. This was last chapter, right? Jacob was up all night long, wrestling and battling, not just a man from heaven, not just an angel of the Lord, but the Lord Jesus Christ, a Christophanes. Jesus appears in human form, the son of man, and Jacob fights and wrestles him all night long. And what does he get? He gets a new name. Your name shall no longer be Jacob, uh, deceiver, but your new name shall be Israel, one who strives with God, one who's governed by God. And he gets his blessing, and he does get a permanent limp. From then on, he's limping on one leg, right, because of the permanent injury of fighting God. But it was a good thing, it was a good fight, because sometimes you gotta get alone with the Lord, struggle with your past, with the thing that's gonna come the next day, and he knows his brother's after him with his army. And he struggles, and he worries, and he fights, and he dreads the day, right? And now the dawn is breaking, and he must face his brother. Have you been there? That sleepless night that anxiety, that ulcer, that pain. I don't want to see them. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to remember my past. I just want to forget it and be done with it. But sometimes you must face it head-on and work through it with the help of the Lord Jesus Christ. Prepare for battle, friend or foe. Genesis 33, verse 1. Then Jacob lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, Esau was coming. The dreaded day, the hour of horror. D-Day, it's all coming to a head. And 400 men with him an army of fighting men. Why would my arch enemy come with 400 soldiers? He's got the upper hand. You are outnumbered. You're outgunned. And you know what? Now you limp. You can't even run anymore. And there's no place to hide in this wide open desert. You have been cornered. You must prepare for war. To go to war with maybe some co-workers, that old boss, that friend, even with a family member. Sometimes those that we're the closest to can hurt us the most. Have you discovered that? And some people cannot be avoided. So... He divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two maids. He's preparing for battle. He's setting them up. First string, second string, third string. And this is the problem with polygamy and multiple lovers. There's always a number one. There's always a favorite. There's the true love. And Jacob has four wives And the two slave wives, or concubines, he puts them and their children in the front. So when the battle ensues, they're the first ones to get knocked out. The second group is farther back, and this is Leah. You know, she was not so attractive, cross-eyed, and her kids. She gets knocked out second. And then in the far back, his true love that he loves so much beautiful Rachel and her one and only baby boy, Jacob's favorite, Joseph. Remember the coat of many colors because Daddy loves Joseph more than all the others. So Rachel and Joseph are in the far back so they will have a chance to escape. Favorites are a difficult thing. Favoritism, favorite wives, favorite kids, it creates a mess. Verse 2. He put the maids and their children in front, the two slave wives, the concubines, and Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph last. Do you see it? Verse 3. But he himself passed on ahead of them and bowed down to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. He goes first. He's going to take the brunt of the battle. And as he approaches his brother so carefully and slowly, he bows all the way down to the ground, his face in the dirt. Not once, not twice, but seven times God's number of perfection, holiness, completion. And he treats his brother like a king. He treats his brother almost like a god as he completely humbles himself, as he shows complete and unconditional surrender to his arch rival, you have a family member, friend, and you've always gone to battle, wrestled, fight, argued, and finally you're at the point that you must completely surrender to them, and you don't want to, but you know you have to, for your own good and survival, for the survival of your family and your kids. Maybe you have a boss, and he's mean and cruel and spits at you and treats you like a dog and pays you dirt, but you're like, i got to keep this paycheck coming for my babies, right? Sometimes you eat crow. Sometimes you humble yourself for the sake of others. This is the hard place that Jacob has been brought to. He has prepared for the worst, but he plans for the best. And Jacob is a conniver, he's always scheming, he's always plotting. I've got to prepare, I've got to have a plan of exit and escape and maybe we can cut our losses and maybe my favorites can escape in this brutal battle of my brother's army. (sighs) Have you been there? I hate those encounters. But God has a purpose. He has a plan. And he's with you. Jesus was with Jacob all night long until the sun rose. Then he had to go. But Jesus is still with Jacob through some of the hardest times of our life. Christ is there. Do you realize his presence? Make peace offerings. And give away your gifts. Verse 4. Then Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. You don't know how it's going to go. I remember that one time I'm knocking on my stepfather's door. hadn't seen him for years, sent a card, sent some gifts, did some phone calls. How will it go? I was kind of nervous knocking on his front door in Woodland, California, near Sacramento. Traveled for hours. Will he cuss at me? Will he slam the door? Will he punch me? Or will he embrace me? And have tears and, Johnny, it's so good to see you. And guess what happened? The door slammed open. He's like, Johnny, I'm so happy. A big smile and I haven't seen you for years and come into my house and stay for dinner and spend the night and stay another day and another day. As I slept in my father's house in a warm bed, it felt so good. but you never know how it's gonna go, right? I've had times I've visited my, my older brother and he's more emotional than me. And when he sees me, he hugs me and he cries and it's been so long and let's have dinner. And then and after a couple hours then he gets bored and he goes out to the garage and he works on his tractors and trucks all night long. <laughs> and he asks me, you wanna come out and help me? And I'm like, no. <laughs> You want to crawl underneath them and get oil and dirt under your skin and in your nails and be all grody with me? And I'm like, no, I'll stay in the house and watch TV. (laughs) But the emotion, right, the embrace, the kissing, the hugging, the crying tears of happiness. Do you have family that does that? When they see you, they cry. You're so big. They squeeze your cheek. (laughs) They don't want to let you go. And it does feel good when they cry for you because they love you so much. I think this is unbelievable. This is an answer to prayer. This is Jesus working and the Holy Spirit has softened his brother's heart and lowered that wall and that revenge and that hatred and that anger And it's all subsided, and it's all been let go. Verse 5, he lifted his eyes and saw the women, the wives, right, four of them, and the children, and said, who are these with you? So he said, the children whom God has graciously given your servant. Do you have a wife, a spouse, do you have children, do you have grandkids? Do you know where they came from? Do you know who gave them to you? That it was a gift of God, that it was a gracious gift. You didn't deserve them, you didn't earn them. God gave them to you out of grace and mercy and love. Do you value them as a gift from the Lord? Do you realize that they're too good for you? And that you have married up, and God has blessed you with wonderful gifts of children and grandkids like Jacob. They're God's gifts. Verse 6 Then the maids came near with their children, and they bowed. Also, notice this idea that brother Jacob keeps calling himself the servant of his twin. I'm your servant, I'm your servant, I'm your servant. And then notice later his brother Esau will say, I'm your brother, I'm your brother. You see, Jacob is humbling himself. And Esau is trying to accept him back again as family. Was it the prodigal son who comes running home and he doesn't know, will my father accept me? And he says, I'm unworthy and I'll be your slave and I'll be your servant. And his father runs and embraces him and falls on his neck and kisses him and puts all the beautiful gifts on him. And he says, you're my son, you're my son. And he's like, I'm your slave, I'm your slave. Right? But God always receives us back when we come to him. So, everybody's Following the protocol, daddies told them, wives and children, when you see my brother, you get on your face to the ground and you bow before him. Verse 7, Leah likewise came near with her children and they bowed down. And afterward, Joseph came near with Rachel and they bowed down all the way, all the kids, all four wives. Verse eight, and he said, what do you mean by all this company which I have met? Man, I saw the parade of gifts. You had five groupings, herds of expensive animals. Uh, It must have been worth about five $100,000 by my modern day calculation if you add up the present day value of these 580 animals. And he puts them in groupings by their family, you know, the goats and the sheep and the donkeys and the cows. And it just kept coming like a parade of gifts, so extravagant. And he sent the gifts ahead to pave the way, to calm the heart, to make peace. Do you ever do that? You really messed up. So maybe you send flowers. A box of chocolate, I recommend C's. Maybe a card. Oh, I'm so sorry. Maybe their favorite whatever, favorite gift and the gift goes before you, the gift paves the way, the gift changes the heart. Do you see it? And brother's saying, I can't believe all these gifts, all these presents, so extravagant. What does it mean? And he said, to find favor in the sight of my Lord. You're my Lord and I'm your servant and I want to make things right, and I want your approval, and I want your acceptance, and I want to be let back into the family. Have you sent gifts? But these gifts are extravagant. These gifts are very valuable and extreme because they're more than just gifts. And I'll point that out as we read. Verse 9, but Esau said, I have plenty, my brother. I'm not your lord, I'm your brother, right? You're not my servant, daddy says, you're my son. I welcome my son back to my house, the prodigal son. Let what you have be your own. I've got enough. I don't care about things and materialism and stuff anymore. It's funny when we're young, when we're immature, when we're carnal, we fight over money and inheritance and things and I want it. And this is mine. <laughs> you ever go through those battles? And then we grow up and we're mature and we're blessed and we're like, oh, I don't need your gift. You, you take it back. And the things that we fought over when we grew up as Christians, we realize that was so carnal and so petty to fight over things and stuff and money and inheritance. And now the things that they fought over when they were young, they realize they're not that important anymore. Verse 10. Jacob said, "No, please." If now I have found favor in your sight, then take my present from my hand, for I see your face as one sees the face of God. And you have received me favorably. You see, in the culture, in the society, if somebody receives your gift, they receive you. If they receive your peace offering, then they declare, I will make peace. And so in Jacob's mind, it's absolutely essential that his brother receive the whole extravagant gift of, what, 580 animals, was it, and uh About $500,000 in livestock. No, you must receive it all. Because if you receive my gift, you're obligated to forgive me, to accept me, to welcome me back as family. Have you ever had someone reject your gift They tore up the card. They sent the package back. They didn't even open it. See, that's a statement, right? We want them to open the gift. Receive my gift and me. Please, I insist. And I see you like I see the face of God. Didn't Jacob just see the face of God the night before? He's struggling with Jesus And he sees him face to face and he struggles and he cries and and he begs, please bless me. And afterwards, he names the place, the face of God, because I've seen God face to face. And now he has a respect and, and an awe and a reverence toward his brother that he cheated and connived and mistreated right now. Everything's different. After encountering Jesus, now I treat my friends and family and even my enemies so differently. It is a peace treaty that must be accepted. Verse 11. Please take my gift which has been brought to you because God has dealt generously with me and because I have plenty." Now we can fight for the blessings and the wages and the rewards and the bonuses of men, but what's more important is to get the pay and the, the blessings of God. And you see, conniving and fighting, what did he really get? He left with just a stick, right? His little shepherd's stick when he ran for his life. But now he's come back with all the blessings of God, and he is so rich. He's so blessed. He's so full. He's got a huge family. He's got more than he could ever want. And he's so rich that he can give such an extravagant gift to his brother. And I believe the gift is so valuable around... $500,000 because it's not just a gift. It's an entire inheritance. Brother, I'm paying you back because I robbed from you. I fought for the inheritance. I, I broke your heart. I made you cry. I stole your birthright. I stole Daddy's blessing. And so I'm paying you back. And I am giving you an entire inheritance. Thanks for supporting Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno, at 246 Courtney Lane, Reno, Nevada, 89523. Our phone number is 775-746-4567, and our webpage is calvaryreno.com. You're always welcome to join our services.